You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Friday morning, I got up and took my wife and my daughter to the airport. And they uh, have an annual trip. My wife meets her twin sister and uh, all the girls are together. And uh, so that my wife is gone. I'm unsupervised for the weekend. So just a warning. Um, but there's something else that happens every time my wife leaves. And that is I know that I'm not going to sleep as well as I do when she's here. Uh, I don't, normally, I don't have a problem sleeping. I'm one of those people that's like, good night, rolls over, starts to snore. Um, I, apparently that's kind of an irritant to my wife a lot of times, but it, it works really well for me. But when she's gone and the, and everybody in the house is gone, I, I close all the windows, I check the doors, but then I think I hear something. And then I'm like, well, that's probably nothing. Just go to sleep. And then I've got, I hear something else and I've got to get up and check. And turns out I was right. It was nothing. And I just, I don't sleep good. I don't know what it is. Some of you are like, I feel you, preacher. That's why I came this morning, to get a little rest. So um, hopefully that's not the case. But as we have been going through our summer series, Sunday Classics, we want to look at a story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it takes place at night when people are to be sleeping. And it's the calling of Samuel. And as a kid, I heard this story in Sunday school, and it just fascinated me. I'm like, well, what if God does call me at night? You know, am I gonna am I gonna hear him? I, I didn't. I just slept right through it, apparently. But Samuel didn't. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse number one, it says this: Meanwhile. Now, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Um, when I hear that word, I always think of a comic book. Meanwhile, Batman was over here doing this. Meanwhile, the Joker. Because if you go back, 1 Samuel chapter 1 tells us about Samuel's mom and dad. And you may know that story that Hannah, Samuel's mom, could not conceive. Elkanah, Samuel's father, had another wife who had children. And this was a, a source of, of uh, anxiety and, and sadness for Hannah. She prayed to God one year at the, at the tabernacle. And Eli, the prophet there, uh, at first thought she was drunk because she was moving her mouth, but no sound was coming out as she prayed passionately. But then he said, God will grant you your request. And so she conceived and she bore a son and his name was Samuel. And then at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 2 is a, a song of praise from Hannah that God answered her prayer. And then we're told that when Samuel was just a young boy, Hannah brought him to the tabernacle at Bethel to live there. She gave her son that God gave to her back to him. We're then told that Hannah had other children. God blessed her. The end of chapter 2, this prophet 
this unnamed prophet comes to Eli, the high priest, and prophesies from God that judgment is coming. We're told a little earlier in chapter 2 of the source of that judgment or the reason for that judgment was Eli's two boys. These two priests-to-be that had no respect for God, and we'll talk about that this morning, they committed sins of, of lust, they committed sins of greed, and they did all of it right there at the place that was supposed to be the focus of worship at the tabernacle. And that is the backdrop that leads us to, meanwhile, while all of that is going on, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Well, why not? The religious leaders at the time were corrupt. And God wasn't speaking through them. Matter of fact, the only real recordings in the first two chapters are Eli saying that God would give Hannah a child and then the prophet coming and telling Eli that judgment was coming. One night, verse 2, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel, Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. The first thing that I see here is that Samuel had a listening ear. Samuel heard God speak. There in the quietness of the tabernacle, the tabernacle was, was literally a tent. But it was a tent that was much more significant than, you know, a camping tent. I, I, I think right now, is, is anybody, somebody can tell me, right? Isn't Circus Olay doing the tent thing in the ball arena parking lot? Anybody? Nod your head. Okay. It's a tent, right? So that's a different... That's a different kind of tent than like you carry backpacking, right? Well, the tabernacle was more, not exactly, but more along the lines of Circus Soleil than Big Agnes, okay? That's a name of a tent. So you're like, I don't know who Agnes is, but you shouldn't call her big. But that's a tent, right? It was this big tent. And, and there were different parts of it, and there was a courtyard that set up, and the Ark of the Covenant would be in it, in the, in the center part, the holy part. There was this giant uh, candelabra menorah 
that would burn there. There was an altar for sacrificing. This was before the building of the temple, and this was the focus of worship to Jehovah God. This is where Samuel was serving. And in the quietness of that hour, Samuel hears the voice of God. We need to be listening to God's calling. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, beginning of verse number 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. We, we've heard that story about a house built on sand or a house built on rock, but the difference is listening and obeying God. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that he's the good shepherd, and, and he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, and they know my voice. We see that with pets, don't we? Uh, maybe a, a dog is running around and people are hollering and things are going on, but if the master speaks, hopefully that dog responds. Why? Because they know their voice. When I was a little kid, my father spoke. I knew his voice. That got my attention. We need to be listening and learning the voice of God. The scripture says here that Samuel didn't yet know. This was his first experience, but he would come to know clearly the voice of God. Just a couple of things for us. The first thing is this, God speaks through his word. See, a lot of times we pray and, and we want to hear the voice of God and we think, wouldn't it be easy if God spoke to us like he spoke to Samuel? If he just said, Gerald, eat a burger for lunch. Like then you would know what to do, right? But God has given us his word. First, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning of verse 14 says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. As Paul writes to Timothy, his protege in the ministry, he says, you know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So here Paul says, listen, you've been given the scriptures, and they led you to faith in Christ. And then he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Listen, God has given us his holy word. If someone comes to you or you think God speaks to you in a way that is contrary to the scriptures, that is not the voice of God. 
Because God does not contradict himself, and the Bible, the, the, the word is the word of God. He uses it to speak to us. I was thinking about this this week when I, this passage, I spoke out of this passage, 1 Samuel chapter 3, almost exactly a year ago. We had a family day, and I did a parent message and a kid message, and I used this text as the kid message about listening to God. But it's a different outline. It's some of the same application, but some different application too. Why? Because God's word is alive. The reality is, I could preach about this exact same passage next week, and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his word, would apply it to our lives in different ways. Now, I'm not going to do that, because some of you are like, But God's word is alive. God's word is holy. And God speaks to us through his word. God also uses his Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 14, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's the promise that we have, that when we receive Christ as our Savior, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God because the Father sends the advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I like that idea that he teaches us and he reminds us. You ever been in a situation and then a verse or a part of scripture comes to your mind and you wonder, why did I think about that right then? Or maybe you're like me and sometimes you do something and then the Holy Spirit reminds you of scripture and you're like, why didn't I think of that just a little sooner? But the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us. And so notice the common thing here as we listen to God. We hear and we obey. Jesus said, you want a house built on rock? Hear and obey. He says here, the Holy Spirit he will remind you. He will teach you. But he, he prefaced all of that by saying, do follow my commandments. Put into action what you already know to do. It's amazing. I'll talk to people and they'll be like, you know, preacher, I just don't, I don't feel like God is speaking to me. I don't feel close to God. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Are, are you reading scripture? No. No, I haven't really been reading my Bible. Why are you going to church? No, no, I just, I haven't really been in church. Were you praying? No. Well, I wonder why God's not speaking to you. You think he's going to hire a skywriter? Now he could. 
He, he can make the rocks cry out, but he's given us his word. He's told us that we should gather together. He said that you can pray to me. And when we do those things and when we obey him, it's so much easier to hear him. Think about John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. You know when it's easier to hear the voice of the shepherd? When you're close to the shepherd. You with me? When you're three fields over, out where you're not supposed to be, it might be kind of hard to hear the shepherd. And so Samuel had a listening ear, but it came as he was obeying God. Back to our text in 1 Samuel chapter 3. He hears for a fourth time his name called out, and he says, the Lord came, verse number 10, the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Interesting message that Samuel receives, isn't it? I am about to judge your boss and his sons. Most scholars believe Samuel might have been around 12 years of age when he received this message. See, Eli's sons had no respect for the Lord. The Bible says that here that they were blaspheming God. They would come and they would take advantage because people would come and they would offer sacrifices. They would bring animals and they would kill them and they, they were to burn the fat of the animal as a sacrifice to God. And there was a method by which that the priests would receive some of that meat for their substance, for their, for their food. But the sons of Eli were greedy. They had devised a plan by which they would get more. And in some cases, they would take the entire sacrifice before it could even be sacrificed to God. Not only that, the Bible says that they committed sexual sin, that they used their position of authority to seduce women who worked in the tabernacle, who were a part of the worship there. And within the place of worship, they were committing sexual sin. They blasphemed God. They, they, they took the things that, that were to be holy and they made them of no account. You know, it's interesting we received communion this morning and some churches receive communion every week and some churches receive communion even less often than we do. Well, I try to do it about every six weeks. That doesn't, sometimes we go a little longer. 
And people ask me that. Why? The Bible doesn't tell us how often we should take communion. If, you, if you're part of a church or been a part of a church where they take it every week, that's perfectly fine. The Bible says as often as you do it. One of the reasons why I don't like to take it every week, and again, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't want to be critical of anybody else. Because I, we have people here that would prefer we take it every week, and that's, that's great. But I do want it to be special. Now, this bread and this juice is not holy of itself, but what we celebrate is a holy thing. And God forbid that we ever take it for granted. You know, when we worship together, I like a casual church. I like to dress casually. I, uh, I was telling somebody, I've, I've been the pastor of Belmar Church for 16 years. I've spoken on a Sunday morning in a tie one time. One time. I'll tell you when it happened. It was the very first Easter I was here. My grandmother was a part of the church then. And she came to me and she said, Daryl, Easter's coming up and you look so handsome in a tie. She was buttering me up. Some of you are like, does that make a difference? No, it doesn't. She said, would you wear a tie on Easter? And so I said, Grandma, I will wear a tie. And to be honest with you, I thought that might be my grandmother's last Easter with us. The next Easter rolled around and my grandmother was still alive. And she said, Daryl, it's Easter. Are you going to wear a tie again? I said, no, Grandma. If I do it again, it'll be a habit. And I don't want to make that habit. I like a casual church. I like that we can come together and be who we are and worship together. But listen, when we gather together, we are worshiping Almighty God. We are worshiping a holy God. And we don't have to dress a certain way, but God forbid that we become casual in worshiping the creator of heaven and earth. That we lose focus of whom we come to gather and worship today. And the sons of Eli blasphemed God and had no respect for the things of God. Eli had been warned of judgment to come. There's no record that he repented. There's no record that he really sought to discipline his children. And he benefited from his son's sin. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 29, the prophet who is, who is telling Eli of judgment to come says this, so why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Now that's interesting, right? You become fat. Now, the Bible often talks about the fat of the lamb or, or you become fat with this or that. But really, at some level, this was a, a physical thing because later 
Eli is going to die. And the Bible says he dies because he hears that the Ark of the Covenant was captured. He falls over backwards in his chair, breaks his neck and dies. And the Bible says, because he was fat. He was overweight. I know I read that. I was like, whew. It was hard to read and eat ice cream at the same time. I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. But how did Eli get fat? Well, he just had a slow metabolism. No, he was partaking of the sins of his son. They were taking of the sacrifices more than they should have taken. And they were in charge of that part, but all of the priests shared in that. And Eli didn't just overlook the sins of his son, he participated in it. And this is the message that God gives to Samuel. And you think about that. If you're Samuel, how do you react to that? God's not judging you. The Bible says Samuel was, was serving the Lord. Matter of fact, God is speaking to Samuel. For several generations, Samuel is going to be the mouthpiece of God to the nation of Israel. He's going to anoint Saul to be king. He's going to anoint David to be king. Samuel is, is this mighty prophet. The Bible says this, Samuel stayed in bed, 1 Samuel 3.15, until morning. Then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. I think there, the Bible says there was a certain amount of fear, right? Samuel was like, God spoke to me, but the message is not good. This is not the... Last time, this is the first time, but it's not the last time that Samuel is going to have to deliver a message from God that is not going to be happy news for people. He's going to tell Saul that the kingdom is ripped from him and it's going to go to another. He's going to declare judgment on sin. But also I see a humble heart with Samuel. He didn't get up and go, well, boys, you guys are about to be judged, but God's spoken to me. He went about his business. But Eli, verse 16, called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold back anything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks is best. A couple of things I want us to look at here. Samuel followed God. 1 Samuel 2 verse 18 says, But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. Later in verse 21, it says, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. It started out, uh, it, chapter 3 saying, meanwhile, Samuel served the Lord. Samuel, under, even in the middle of the circumstances he was in, he's like a little brother 
to these evil priests, the sons of Eli. He's under Eli. Eli has raised these boys, and this is the person that Samuel is serving. And yet, despite that, he looked at that example and didn't follow it. He served the Lord. That's encouraging because sometimes we think, well, you know, if you knew the background I was from, if you knew the family I was from, if you knew the circumstances I was from, listen, Samuel was in the tabernacle at the center of worship, but things going on around him were wicked. He didn't fall to that. He served the Lord. And he continued to serve despite being spoken to by the Lord. He didn't wake up and say, judgment's coming, I'm the new prophet. No, he got up and he just opened the doors and he did his chores. He did what he did every day. Continued to serve. James chapter 4 and verse number 10 says this, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. It's interesting, isn't it? Here is Eli in chapter 2. He's given a word of judgment. In chapter 3, God speaks to Samuel and gives him a word of judgment. And Eli's only response is, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. Never does Eli turn and repent. Never does Eli just fall before God and say, God, forgive me. Eventually, in the message that he gives to Samuel, he says, there's no forgiveness. This thing is coming. But that wasn't the message in chapter 2. And we contrast that with what we see of Samuel, which it says he grew and he served the Lord. He humbly goes about his business. And James says, that's who God's honor will honor. That's who God will lift up. Finally, this morning, I want us to close with these last few verses of 1 Samuel 3, beginning in verse 19. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. Everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. We went to Israel earlier in the summer. My wife and I, we got to go to Shiloh, the place where the tabernacle had been. They had an awesome presentation where you could kind of see what they think it looked like. And the Bible's pretty descriptive on what it did look like. Its permanent resting place was there at Shiloh until Solomon eventually built the temple. But notice what it says. God continued to speak. That's not how it started, right? In those days, visions were rare and messages from God didn't happen very often. But now, the end of chapter 3 
God continues to speak. Samuel is reliable in being the, 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 the mouthpiece of God. Why? Because he humbly served him. He was listening and following God. Just a couple of applications as we close this morning. God used the circumstances around Samuel to grow him. Samuel saw all of this. He saw what these guys were doing. He was old enough to understand. He had literally grown up in the tabernacle. The Bible says he would see his mom and dad every year. His mom would come and bring him a new coat. But every day, he sees the sons of Eli. Every day, he sees the blasphemy. And yet, he serves the Lord. That's encouragement for us. It also holds us accountable. Sometimes we think, well, you know, preacher, I'm the only believer in my work, and everybody talks this way, and so I talk that way too. Samuel didn't. Well, preacher, if you knew my background or you knew my family, you'd understand why I'm this way. Listen, in those circumstances, Samuel served the Lord. Samuel heard from the Lord. Samuel obeyed God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says that all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. It says God works those things out for good. God doesn't bring sin. God doesn't bring evil circumstances in our life, but it does come. But he says, I'm working those things out. We often think of Romans 8, 28 as some great incantation, but it really the context of it is about contentment in the middle of imperfect circumstances. Not that any of us would be in imperfect circumstances, right? Samuel was, but God grew him anyway. And then finally this morning, our background doesn't have to define us, but our faith does. Proverbs chapter 16 says this, beginning in verse 19. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. We talked about this last week too about the idea that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. I saw this week that uh, the $1 billion Powerball ticket was sold in LA. I, I was at a gas station. Was that, I forget what day that drawing was. Was that Friday? Somebody help me. I know you guys were watching. I think it was Friday. Whatever day it was, I was getting gas and I, I, I thought about going in and buy one. And I thought, you know, God, I will give you 
Some of you are laughing, but you probably had those same conversations. Well, God chose not to give it to you. Or me. I didn't buy a ticket, but that's probably why. Better to be humble and poor or proud and rich. That's what God said in his word. But most of us don't think that, do we? If we really come down to it, we really want to be rich. And sometimes when I read those verses, the Holy Spirit through his word speaks to me and says, are your loyalties divided? Do you really believe that and live that? Or do you go, well, I'd like to be humble and rich. I'm sure I could pull it off, God. Let's see. But Samuel did not allow his circumstances and his background to define him. Messages from God became a regular occurrence and the words of Samuel were known to be reliable because he listened and obeyed God. Don't we want to be men and women who hear and know the voice of God? Then let us obey his commands and humbly listen for him. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for your love, for your goodness to us. God, thank you for the example of Samuel, who even as a young boy, when he did not know your voice, Lord, you spoke to him. You took him out of that wicked situation and you used him as a mighty prophet. God, help us to not allow our circumstances to be an excuse, but God, use us. But help us, God, to listen and to obey you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness to us. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.